0: Ah, here we are again, another year down, and one of my very favorite videos to make, period, is here again. It's one thing to watch a fighter when they're already in the title discussion, but one of the things I really enjoy the most is the opportunity to highlight future talents and who we can expect to see in the top 10 sometime soon. And Just to give you a sample, two years ago, we highlighted Ilya Teporia on this yearly prospect watch and Volkanovsky. That was on the video four years ago. Ankaliev and Marab were in 2021, and yeah, I've definitely had my failures as well, but overall, I think this show has successfully pinpointed plenty of future talents quite well. So, let's have some fun and go ahead and get started. I'm Jason from MMA On Point, and these are my top 15 UFC prospects for 2023. Of course, with a big involved list like this, a bit of prefacing needs to be done, and I'd also like to update you all on how last year's list did. So, if you're one of those people that doesn't care about that and just wants to get on with the list, just go ahead and skip to 305 so you don't have to listen to any of that. And defining what a prospect means for the purpose of this video is important because there are a lot of different definitions, but basically what I mean is these fighters will enter into the top 10 and become a force in their division soon, and some might even become title challengers in the next calendar year as well. So starting off with criteria point number one, they can't already be in the top 10. I feel like that's moving on from prospects to contenders at that point. In fact, I've only got two this year who are even in the top 15, so I'm definitely being little riskier this year with my picks. Generally, they need to have some experience in the UFC or at least one of the bigger stages already. Things can dramatically change after a debut, especially if a fighter loses. So I'm a bit hesitant to include somebody that doesn't have that level of experience already. I'll have one exception on today's list, and I think you guys will understand why when I get there. Number three, if I've already included a fighter on these lists in the past, you will not see them repeated here again. Essentially, I'd just be telling you guys the same thing twice. I mean, I could just copy and the edit from last year, I think that's kind of lazy. And selfishly, I want to talk about someone I haven't in the past. So there you go. And speaking of who I had on my list last year, well, just like today, I did 15 for 2022. And of those, Only two lost last year. Most moved up to nearly the top 10 or literally went all the way up to becoming a number one contender in the case of Manuel Fioro. And Mateusz Gamrot was in a close fight with Benil Darius that would have had him in the title contention discussion. Fazeev isn't far behind that as well, now at number six. My biggest regret though, of course, is not including Alex Pereira. I guess I just thought they were gonna throw a wrestler at him and it was kind of an unknown thing. They still didn't do that, but he looked amazing last year. So I definitely regret not putting him on there. One hell of a year for that guy. And if you do wanna see last year's video, I'll put a link in the description. It's just as relevant today as it was then for most of the fighters I talk about. But without further ado, let's jump right in. Number 15, Bo Nickel. He's an American middleweight at three and zero. I did say in the preface, I would break my rule of a fighter on this list needing to have at least one fight in the UFC to qualify. And this is that one exception I talked about. I told us you'd say that too. I just don't see any way I can leave this guy off this list with his ridiculous background and completely flawless career in MMA so far. In case you've been living under AKA's octagon alongside John Jones, Bo Nickel has essentially been long-held as the second coming of Cain Velasquez and Daniel Cormier wrapped into one with a bit of top-notch BJJ wrapped in there like the old Mark Kerr style. Essentially, this guy has an Olympic-level wrestling career, multiple-time collegiate and world championship record, but in MMA, he also has power in his hands and can seemingly tap anyone at any time. He's already got a couple KOs on his record, one as an amateur and one as a pro, Sub the three others, and has absolutely just breezed right through everyone he has fought. And by far, he was the most notorious breakout star from Dana White's Contender series. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what else he could have done to look any better. He looked incredible. And for instance, he immediately went through Borrego with a takedown and tapped him, and then with Beard for his second appearance on Dana's show, he hurt him with a heavy, gigantic left hook. Before getting full mount, and seamlessly transitioning to a triangle choke finish. Dana was skeptical about signing him so soon, but Bo just made it look so insanely effortless. He was undeniable. And that's how I feel about him too. The guy's got an incredibly bright future immediately looking at 2023. Honestly, I want to rank him higher, but I just can't because we don't know yet. We'll see him against Jamie Pickett though at UFC 285 in March. Number 14, Caio Bahalio. He's a Brazilian middleweight at 13 and one. One thing I've heard the commentary booth begin to ask at times is when will the sport catch up to this Sambo style that we've been seeing so much of lately? And while I'm not sure that will ever be answered, it's more of like a constant because it's a great martial art. I think we'll see it just like the other greats. But Caio Bajalio has had absolutely no free passes in his UFC career on that front. Each of his opponents have come from a Sambo background with two out of Russia and one out of Tajikistan. I and mean, so his answer to the Sambo question? Um, just spam the shit out of attempts with guillotines to reverse those takedowns, and it's worked really well for him so far. But yeah, that's easier said than done. In part, I think it's easier for him because he happens to have trained extensively with Damian Maya, which is clearly a pretty big leg up. In the case of Armin Petrosian, who had a ton of skills in striking, he managed to win on the feet with him as well and take him to the ground where he had the clear advantage. He's yet to get a finish in the UFC, but with all three being unanimous decision wins, this made for a stellar 2022, and it also gave us a better look at his style with 45 minutes to work with. Number 13, Raul Rosas Jr. He's Mexican-American at bantamweight, weight 7-0. Find someone who looks at you the way jiu-jitsu nerds look at Raul Rosas Jr., or as Bailey once called him, Paul. So I mentioned Dana White's Contender Series fellow alumni making a huge splash this year and Bo Nickel, Well, perhaps the other huge name you heard about was Rosas Jr. And you could tell that he was already a star before he debuted, because in December he had the crowd absolutely eating out of his hands and chanting his name. And that's just the punctuation at the end of his 2022. The guy fought literally six times last year as a pro. And he finished everyone outside of his incredibly dominant Contender Series decision four of those were finished in the first round and just one made it to the second in that uwc run his oldest opponent was andre Pineda, who was literally almost double his age at 33 kind of unreal to see that difference rosas is notoriously young at just 18 and was signed at only 17 after the contender series you are in high school yes yeah uh, this is my senior year in high school your senior year in high school even taking fights way back in 2019 which would mean he was only 15 taking those amateur fights you couple all of this with the fact that he is a born showman who loves to feed off the crowd it was impossible not to put him on this list because he's got a rocket strapped to his back the only concern is him getting pushed too soon like we've seen the UFC do with other stars. Number 12, Cameron Simon. He's from South Africa. He's a bantamweight who is also 7-0. and If you didn't see him against Stephen Kozla at UFC 282, you definitely missed out. Illegal knee aside, he just showcased a ton of resilience on the ground with an ability to reverse positions and find his own dominant ground game. He trains with another big standout from South Africa who was on the same card that you might know, Drikas Du and I think he's got a lot to offer at 135 this year. One of the best assets though isn't just his ground game, but his striking. I mean, he can be seriously scary here. He won on the contender series with a sharp left hook that absolutely just slept Josh Wayne Kim. This kid is only 22, but already has 7 pro wins and 5 amateur credits, and he's only gone to decision just twice as a pro. He's known for being a kickboxer, but as you saw in his UFC debut, his ground game is extremely well developed and smothering as well. He really has been one of those fighters who's shown you you aren't safe anywhere, and I for one am very much looking forward to seeing his 2023. Number 11, Azamat Merzikanov. He's Russian at light heavyweight, and he's 12-0. Another fighter to represent the Caucasus his region in Russia, although it's the lesser-known Nalchik, which is at the foothills of the mountains, neighboring Chechnya and Dagestan. And while Azamat does have a sambo and freestyle background, like you might expect, he definitely favors throwing heavy, heavy shots with bad intentions. Here's a video of him dropping Iwan Kutalaba, and he's also KO'd Andre Muniz, who is one of my top prospects from last year. This man just comes out to kill people, even when he was down two rounds against Tafan and Chukui you didn't see him attempting to use any of that freestyle wrestling or sambo backgrounds. Instead, he found a stunning KO out of nowhere in the third. And that's my only real issue with him. For light heavyweight, he's definitely undersized at 5'10", but so far he's managed to do just fine in spite of it, so who is anyone to complain? He's completely destroyed Devin Clark as well in August, so keep an eye out for him to be booked again soon. My word of advice is a bit cliche, but just don't blink absolutely everything he throws has the intentions of ending the fight. Number 10, Carlos Olberg. He's a New Zealander, light heavyweight, with a 7-in-1 record. This guy's career to date has been nothing but a thing of beauty to watch. Coming out of the city kickboxing camp, he's got no shortage of striking experience and training partners to hone them with. That's earned him multiple kickboxing championships. And if I can get one thing across to you, it's that it really shows he has all that experience in the cage. Nearly everyone he's faced, he's absolutely dominated with beautiful combinations that completely baffled his opponents. The only loss in his career came to Kennedy and Zichekwu, and this was after destroying him for a full round. For me, it literally draws comparisons to the legendary Fujita who was nicknamed Ironhead because he was able to take an inhuman amount of punishment. That's basically exactly what happened here in the fight with Kennedy, somehow surviving it all before suddenly coming back with a KO. It was just insane to watch. as Olberg learned from that fight definitely to be a bit more patient and to enforce his outside game. One interesting thing is I haven't really seen it hit the mat in his fights, but that's also a plus though because he's really great at getting right back up the moment it goes to the ground and getting free from clinches. So there are questions to be answered about that. What I would recommend is you watch his fight with Negu Marianu to understand the hype because it is real. Oh, and he's been nicknamed ladies night because he used to be a stripper and has done modeling Work. So... He's got plenty of career options if this whole fighting thing somehow doesn't work out. Number nine, Natalia Silva. She's a Brazilian flyweight with a 14, five and one record. Women's flyweight has really begun to come into its own over the past year. Tyler Santos just gave Shevchenko an incredibly tough fight that many would go as far as to say she earned the decision and new talents have cropped up like Casey O'Neill, Aaron Blanchfield, Beno Fioro. Again, they were on my list last year if you want to learn more about them. And what Silva brings to the table is just incredibly crisp, striking. Her punches regularly drop her opponents like it did with her two lone UFC fights and her spinning kick finish over Teresa Bleda was just pure carnage. She's also known for her ground abilities and has several armbar finishes that would make any Judoka perk up, but we have seen her struggle on the ground oddly a bit too, so I'd keep an eye on that. It'll be interesting to see how that develops for her moving forward. And if you're wondering about those five losses on her record, well, she hasn't lost in five years when she was just 20 against a name you might recognize in Marina Rodriguez, and she's literally now a top five strawweight since she moved down. Expect to see Natalia enter well into the top 50 this year, with her show-stealing, techno-prisoner style, and I really think she'll be at the top of the division soon. Number eight, Tatsuo Taira. He's from Japan flyweight with a 12-0 record. This is just one of those guys I think most fighters hate to get booked against. He's shown solid power on the feet like he did against Candelario, where he dropped the guy and then just absolutely dominated him on the ground for the rest of the fight. And Tatsuro loves a body triangle. He can snatch one incredibly quickly, and he's got a super fast-paced set of techniques that make him not only fit in, but stand out in that regard at 125. He's 12-0 coming out of the Japanese circuit with Shudo, even going back to his amateur career as well where he was undefeated there too with nine wins and the man has only three decisions in his pro career so far with an armbar as proof of his finishing ability sticking around for the UFC career with CJ Vergara in his last fight and unlike many on this list he was not asked to come on the contender series or tough to get his contract but rather directly to the UFC and so far he's definitely shot out 125 is always a division that needs new talent like this and I think Tatsuro could make a solid impact over the next 12 months. It's his openly stated goal to be the first UFC divisional champion from Japan. This is, of course, not counting Sakurabi. He won a tournament title, which is considered a different category, but he fights super often. So if you add three more wins potentially this year on top of the two he already has, that'll go a really long way at 125. Number seven, Javid Basharat. He's from England and is a bantamweight with a 13-0 record. So he was born in Afghanistan. He's from England and now trains with extreme couture in Vegas. If that isn't a hint at well-roundedness, I'm just not sure what is. This man is currently on a two-fight hot streak in the UFC, plus a contender series win and experience all throughout Europe over the last seven to eight years. Javid brings a ton of different skills to the fight game. He's super creative with strikes on the feet. He's more than happy to throw knees and head kicks. He's got a couple of really impressive finishes on the feet too, so if that's not impressive enough, his ground game is what I would say is his best weapon. Not just submissions, but fish ground and pound when he made an appearance for the contender series that earned him his UFC contract he was memorably called a terrorist for no reason by Oron Kalan And then he just absolutely wrecked the guy. It's a solid lesson in karma or, you know, just don't be an asshole. Again, Javid is well-rounded with some beautiful striking on the feet, hellacious ground and pounds, plus a ton of submission wins. He's a guy you definitely want to watch at 135 this year. Number six, Jack Della Maddalena. He's Australian at welterweight with a 13 and two record. Well, you couldn't ask for a much better debut year than what Maddalena experienced in 2022. Three wins in the UFC, All three finishes, all in the first rounds. This guy is just unstoppable at the moment and he's really putting his gym scrappy MMA on the map coming out of Perth who haven't made their name as established on the international scene yet. But the two things you can expect out of Madalena, which you've seen out of his whole career so far, accuracy and aggression. The guy's literally got just one decision win. He's got 11 knockouts in one submission, which by the way comes courtesy of his BJJ Brown belt. Aside, he's barely had to even show in the US UFC so far, fighting out of the very reputable eternal MMA promotion base in Australia, earning their welterweight title with four defenses, and he even managed to score a sub in Liverpool with Cage Warriors in 2017. Jack has just two losses, which were at the very beginning of his career, but that was seven years ago. Those losses are long behind him now and just looks unstoppable in the cage. Oh, and in case you're wondering what is up with his nose, well, the answer is pretty obvious as to how he earned it, but he's got some thoughts on adjusting it. It's been smashed, you know, I am going to get it fixed one day, but I just thought, hey, what's the point of getting it fixed now when my job is to get Punched in it for a living. He just had one of the best years possible in the UFC. The future looks really good for this guy. Number five, Mohamed Makayev. He's English and is a flyweight with a 9-0 record. By the way, he's one of only two people on this list with an actual ranking. He's ranked at number 14. And let me just say, you cannot get more credentialed in terms of MMA careers than this guy. Being originally from Dagestan, he lives up to the reputation with an incredible ground game, which is meshed extraordinarily well since moving moving. moving to the UK at age 12, earning him 80cc UK championships, British freestyle wrestling championships, and when he transitioned to MMA, he took a very measured approach with an extremely robust amateur career that basically had him as a seasoned vet by the time he ever turned pro. He's got three IMAF championships under his belt, which is by far the most stiff competition you can possibly get as an amateur. And then he also won belts in other promotions like UKFC and Cage Steel. When he finally went pro, he was just on another level with 23 straight amateur wins. Then he amassed six straight victories with Brave Combat Federation and Celtic Gladiator. So then when he debuted for the UFC in March at the insane London card as an English citizen, the crowd erupted with overwhelming support, and he just buzzed right through his first three opponents. His most recent Malcolm Gordon proved to have some challenges on the ground, but ultimately couldn't survive to the bell and got subbed with an armbar in the Mohamed Mikhaev is as blue-chip as a prospect can possibly be. I would definitely look for him to spring forward into the top 10 in flyweight in 2023 if he fights as much as he did last year. And yeah, he's only 22, by the way. Number four, Michael Morales. He's Ecuadorian, he's a welterweight, and he's 14-0. You know, sometimes a fighter just comes along with a level of confidence and smooth ability on the feet that it's virtually impossible to look away while they fight. Miles, ahem. Uh, Michael Morales is one such talent. In his last fight with Fugit, he hurt the guy not once, not twice, but three times in the first round. The last one with a jab. This all before finding a casual 1-2 finish in the third. He survived a bit of trouble against Trevin Giles early, but he found his finish first starting while he was moving backwards. And that's nothing new for him. From Ecuador, he's been long touted as a prospect in the region, and he's done stuff like this countless times terms. And in case you were worried about his ground game, well first off, both of the dude's parents are ridiculous in judo with his mother having gone to the Olympics and he himself is a national wrestling champion with his own judo acumen behind it so don't go looking for weaknesses there either. On top of that he trains with the only other Ecuadorian in the UFC, you guys know him Cheeto Vera and a lot of people are already seeing him as a big problem for the welterweight division. Unfortunately he's been injured as of late as he was supposed to fight in December against our next entry, but 2023 should be a huge year for the undefeated standout. Number three, Renat Fakradinov. He's Russian, a welterweight at 21-2. I don't know if there's a rule that says you got to add 14 syllables to every Russian last name, but if you can get past the pronunciation, Renat has a lot of skills that are just insanely formidable. And considering he just took out who many had a high bar for with the tough winner Brian Battle, he absolutely controlled that guy and battered him by the way, even landing heavy on the feet and dropping him. I'd say this guy is worth keeping an eye out for. And while he certainly is known for taking it to the ground to find a finish like the battle fight, you've got to see this KO on former UFC fighter, Eric Spicely. Lucky for him, this just so happened to be the day Dana White showed up for his show looking for a fight. So that was a no-brainer signing there. And this leads me to my only question about him because he looks like an absolute murderer with scary controlling presence on the ground and KO power that set him on a 14 fight Win streak. I just want to know what took so long. At age 31, he's by far one of the oldest people on this list and only having debuted in 2022. I've got no idea what took them so long to scoop him up, but that's also a huge asset considering all the experience he has. Number two, Nasruddin Imavov. his a Dagestani import to France. He's a middleweight with a 12-3 record. And to be honest with you, of everyone on this list, Imavov is perhaps my most difficult inclusion, not because he isn't good. He's actually outstanding, and it perhaps felt a bit more obvious of a choice than the others, especially since he's got a huge opportunity coming up on the 14th, headlining a fight night slot against Kelvin Gastelum that I've got him favored to win as do many others for good reason. For one, he's very much a real middleweight towering at 6'3 in the division. He's got some incredibly smooth striking technique for the weight class with crazy good variation of knees head kicks and punching combinations plus he's got some really great submissions and he even has a bravo choke which is just super rare in mma he did struggle against phil haas with his pressure against the cage and on the ground but he's since shown some great improvements there against guys like ian heinish who couldn't keep a hold of him you combine this with the fact that he's already number 12 in the division having that big of a name of kelvin coming up this month and don't get me wrong i think he'll definitely be tested by him but if he can manage the win with his crowd-pleasing style coming out of a hungry and fresh scene like france he'll easily be in the top 10 by the end of the year which means france might even have a new pay-per-view star on their hands before too long and before i get to number one i just want to let you guys know if you skip my criteria part just know that i didn't include anybody that i've had on the list in the past so it might already be there and if it's not there for another reason just make sure you look at that criteria because chances are there's a good reason I didn't include them. But yes, number one, Jailton Almeida. He's a Brazilian heavyweight who is 17 and two. We've had some pretty solid heavyweight prospects come through in recent years, haven't we? But heavyweight has notoriously been thin, which proves that these are still too far and few between. Jailton is one such talent though, who I believe will take full advantage of that in 2023 to rise up those rankings fast. And I'll let you on the quickly becoming little Known secrets, this man can hit hard and he's absolutely a tear on the ground as well. In fact, his first two UFC wins both came by rear naked choke. Here's a reason people had him touted as one of the best new debuts of 2022 and why he made our award show this year for one of the best new potential stars overall. Three wins at heavyweight in your debut year all by finish ain't bad. And when he was on the Contender Series, Dana already started labeling him as a future star. I mean, he subbed a Sambo master for Christ's sake. Oh, and he he fights this month against Shamil Abdurakhimov on the 21st so we'll get to see more of them soon. If you can get past that test, he'll easily be a name you know by the end of this year, and we'll have no trouble breaking into the top 10 by the looks of it. All right. Well, um, that pretty much concludes all of our end of the year stuff. This is my favorite one, as I mentioned in the intro. And yeah, I guess just let me know what you guys think. Um, Is there anybody you guys thought I should have put on here? I did try to stay away from the top 15, but some were just unignorable this time around. Anyhow, hope you guys enjoyed it. Like and subscribe if you haven't already, and I'll see you guys on the next video.